5 p.m. GMT. Welcome to the Richie Allen Show. Tuesday it is the 7th of March 2023. I'm Richie Allen. Get in touch with me between now and 7 p.m. via the website richieallen.co.uk. Leave a comment where it says comment live. I've got an interesting guest for you today as well as lots of news, stories and talking points and all the rest of that jazz. Uncensored. Unfiltered. You're listening to Richie Allen on the world's most popular independent news radio show. It's the Richie Allen Show. Broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now... Here's your host, Richie Allen. Are you well, are you? Good, I'm not bad at all. Tuesday to Friday this week instead of Monday to Thursday, it won't be a regular thing. I needed to rest the vocals yesterday, I did. I'm in good form and I'm looking forward to you meeting my guest a little bit later on. He's a very interesting Irishman. We love Irishmen on this programme. His name is Mick Brazel. Mick has got a Twitter account. He tweets as the Irish git. He's very funny. He puts together some really good clips on issues like mass migration, like gender, politics, you name it. He does it. The Irish git will join the programme a bit later on. That'll be good fun, as well as I hope, and in fact I know, it'll be informative. I mentioned the website already. Do get in touch. I am BBG, live from BBG Towers here in the great city that is Salford. Welcome. Thanks again for finding me. Thank you. Tuesday to Friday this week, full of the lurgy for weeks, and you can still hear it in my voice. It's a real nuisance. I've been taking the vitamin D3, the zinc, the vitamin C. I've been taking the potassium, the magnesium. I've been taking the... No, 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 don't go down that road. Yeah, mostly supplements. They just haven't done any good this winter. This particular season... Haven't had much joy from the supplements this particular season. Um, the Conservative politician, Lee Anderson. You know Lee Anderson? He's He has a moniker now. He has a, a nickname now. 30p Lee. He is the deputy chairman of the Conservative Party. He used to be a Labour Party councillor. Then he defected to the Tories. Got himself elected in one of the so, so-called Red Wall seats. And now he's a Tory. Very loud. He looks a bit like Roy Walker from catchphrase from way back when. Just say what you see. You know, what's Mr. Chips doing? What's Mr. Chips doing? Roy Walker, right? So Lee Anderson is a Tory now and he has quickly risen through the Tory ranks to become as the deputy chairman of the party. That's what he does now. He's a bit of an idiot, you know, calling for the return of the death penalty and this sort of nonsense. He's an idiot. Anyhow, the Conservative politician Lee, 30p Lee Anderson, is, wait for it, joining GB News as a programme host. What kind of fuckery is this? Yes, he's from the former mining town of Ashfield. As I said, a key red wall seat. He was a coal miner at one time and a Labour councillor defected to the Tories. He's now going to be presenting a television programme for GB News. Uh, he's the latest politician serving in a political role, in an MP, to be given a tele-programme or a radio programme. His colleague, Jacob Rees-Mogg, was handed a programme by the very same network, GB News, only a week or so ago. He has recently begun presenting that. And in a funny kind of a turn of, a turn of events, Jacob Rees-Mogg's first ever guest was his Tory MP colleague, Lee Anderson. <laughs> What kind of fuckery are we? 
And now, Lee Anderson, having appeared on Jacob Rees-Mogg's television news programme, has now got his own show. Nadine Dorries from the Tories was given a talk show on Talk TV. Labour Party David Lammy on LBC. Farage is on GB News. It's wonderful, isn't it? Eh? Hold politicians' feet to the fire. Challenge them. Bring them down when they lie. Nah, fuck that. I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll give them a television programme. Hang on a second, GB News. Talk TV. You're the fourth estate. The fourth estate. You're supposed to be holding these feckers' feet to the fire. You're supposed to be going over them with a fine-tooth comb and a microscope. You're supposed to stick a microscope up their back passages to find out who they are and who they represent really and what they really mean. But uh, nah, we'll just give them a television programme where they can make any claim they like and it will go unchallenged. Is that democracy? Democracy? That's for the birds, mate. As for the broadcast regulator Ofcom, crickets. Crickets. Ofcom! Crickets. Nothing. Nothing to say about elected officials not only not being challenged, but by them being giving their own. I've been talking about this for years, as you know. Nobody else wants to know about it. I have emailed some of this country's most prominent feature writers and opinion piece writers at The Independent, The Guardian, The Telegraph and The Times. Crickets. Crickets. Hi there. You have no idea who I am, but I'm a radio presenter in Salford. Surely you, as a opinion piece writer for The Telegraph, must have something to say about politicians being given their own television programmes. I mean, come on. Crickets. Nothing. And of course, in the independent media, crickets. And the reason, of course, the independent media doesn't want to take this on is because many of the latest additions to the truth or industrial complex, many of the latest additions to the truth movement, well, most of them have ambitions about getting television programmes on talk TV or on GB News. So when you ask them to comment on it, you guessed it, crickets. Crickets. Looking for something to, to do this coming weekend. Nothing on the calendar. Nothing happening. Your football team is playing away. So is your wife. You don't know what to do. Well, go and watch. And uh, Yeah, this is true. Um, there's a new photographic exhibition. And it's to do with the late Queen Elizabeth II and her relationship with corgis. And it's being showcased in a special brand new photography exhibition by Dr. Xavier Bray. He has photographs marking each decade of the Queen's life and in each one she's seen sat with a corgi. It'll take place in Marleybone, central London. Kill me now. Seven minutes past the hour. Seven minutes past the hour. Tuesday's programme. Yeah. Wonderful. And, and I can't generate outrage. I don't presume it is my job to generate outrage. Of course I don't. What is it? What, 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 what is my bloody job? To speak to interesting people who might have information that might be useful for you or to you. That's about the size of it. It's not rocket science. I'm not supposed to be generating outrage. But Jesus, Mary and Joseph, right? Giving elected MPs news programmes? Yeah. What would Orwell make of it? Did Orwell predict this? No, he didn't. Did anybody? No. Nobody saw this coming. There is a call coming. There's a storm coming. There's a call coming. A spring booster vaccine against COVID-19 is to be offered to people at most risk of serious illness from the disease. 
to protect them over the summer. So in the next few weeks, over 75s, care home residents, and anyone considered extremely vulnerable, aged five and over. Let's just go through that list again. Everybody over 75, care home residents, and anyone over five, but who is considered to be extremely vulnerable, will be offered a booster. The jabbing will begin in England and Wales in early April, with Northern Ireland to begin in mid-April. The Scotland booster campaign will begin in the final week of this month. The Joint Committee on Vaccination and Immunisation said that hospital admission rates for COVID-19 in the autumn last year showed that the risk of becoming seriously ill was noticeably higher in people over 75. Let's give them another one. For many of these people, it will be jab number five or even number six. Anyone who lives in a care home, for older adults, people aged five and over, who are defined as immunosuppressed, will be offered the job. There's an inversion there somewhere, isn't there? Feck me. There's an inversion. Who's most likely to have a serious adverse reaction to a COVID jab? Well, the over 75s who have comorbidities and anyone who has an immune system on its knees. Well, let's give them another booster then. Yeah, and when they start dropping like flies, we won't worry because the mainstream media won't touch it. Why? Because its programming schedule is full of MPs who are on our side. Wonderful. It's ten minutes past the hour. I've an awful lot of editorial coming your way, but at the moment, th- there is a, an immigration story which is g- getting a lot of coverage today from everybody, but I won't get into it in any great detail because it's a weapon of mass distraction, this particular story, right? The Home Secretary, so what a braverman, as if it's her idea. Of course it isn't. She's just the front woman. They've announced new legislation to try and stop people crossing the channel in one of these small boats. The new bill would ban them entering the UK illegally, um, or it would ban anyone who enters the UK illegally on a small boat from claiming asylum or trying to get back in in the future. The new legislation, if passed, would place a duty on the Home Secretary to deport these people as soon as is reasonably practicable. The Shadow Home Secretary, Yvette Cooper, decades-long career politician, married to Ed, I couldn't dance to save my life, balls, who these days is also on the telly. Yes, Labour stalwart Ed Balls, former cabinet secretary, these days can be found presenting breakfast television for ITV. This is surrealism. I don't know, I mean, I'm going to explode, right? Anyway, so Yvette Cooper is married to that goon, right? Um, She says the bill isn't a solution, it lets people off the hook. Braverman says she's confident the bill is compatible with international law and it's a robust way to deal with this problem of all of these people coming in on the boats. More than 45,000 people entered the UK via channel crossings last year, up from about 328. Oh, it's gathered pace that. How many people arrived on a small, dodgy, miserable little dinghy in 2018? 300. Last year, 45,000. They really got a grip of it then, didn't they, in recent years? So what's really going on, dear listener? Well, there are those who believe that this is the collapse of civilization as we know it. 
I would say, and I know nothing about such things, I just have an opinion, it's the collapse of civilization as we knew it. It is the rejigging of the expectations of life, radically transforming the things that you expect out of your life. You know the things you expected when you grew up, dear listener? Like having a job, which gave you enough money to maybe own a mortgage. Not to own a mortgage, but to have a mortgage. To buy a house. A few beers at the end of the week with Steve and Greg over a few games of pool. Um, Kids' education. Yeah. Holiday in Benel Madina every year. Or Benel Medina, as they say in Dublin. Those were the expectations. Doctors there when you needed them. These were the 1970s, 1980s expectations of life. Okay. Hospitals too. Always there. Are those realistic expectations for 18-year-olds in the UK in 2023? A job that will earn you enough money to own your own house? A job that will give you enough money to socialise, to get out of that feckin' house? You know, to look after the kids' education? To take one or 1.5 holidays a year? To be covered when you need to get medical care? I would say the answer is no. No. So by continuing to allow people come into the country, many of them, of course, genuine people fleeing persecution, often persecution that is sponsored by the intelligence agencies of this country. Let's not forget that, right? But many of them genuine, of course, but even more of them, I would argue these days, not genuine. Young men fed up of life in Eastern Europe or 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 elsewhere thinking you know what i'll i'll have a better go of it here in the uk hypocrite alert who you body fair enough of course i'm a migrant from ireland i'm a refugee from ballybeg here in manchester in salford i i get that but but i'm not being a hypocrite when i came to the uk the first time around it wasn't such a well it was beginning it was beginning then such a desecration decimation of vital public services, driving down living standards, destroying manufacturing, having the hospital bed numbers, having them over a 30-year period. Yeah, wonderful. All of this is going on. I'll tell you what we'll do. Let's grow the country's population by 300,000 each year by opening the doors to anyone who's coming in. And by doing that, we will exacerbate the driving down of standards that successive governments have engaged in. The centre cannot hold, dear listener, and if this continues, it will lead to inevitable collapse. What will that look like, the collapse? I have no idea. Will it be fisticuffs in the streets? Will it be balaclavas? And I have no idea. It's over to you. You tell me. RichieAllen.co.uk is my website. Comment live, top of the menu bar. Lots and lots of glorious audio in 3D to bring you in the next half an hour. Really interesting stories to cover. I've um, fallen in love with these two women from the Isle of Wight. From the Isle of Wight. They're not from the Isle of Wight. They're from the... Yeah, they're from the Isle of Wight. They're called Wet Leg. This is Tuesday's Richie Allen Show. You're very welcome to it. Thanks for joining me. Wet leg on the Richie Allen Show. That is too late now. 18 and a half minutes past the hour of five. It's the BBG, not the BBC. This is your Richie Allen Show. Live from the magnificent city of Salford. It is magnificent. Thank you, Peter. On great form today, Richie. Thanks, pal. Rested and well. Agree with these corrupt politicians in this country. Need to have their feet held to the fire instead of being rewarded with their own legacy media news programmes. Why... Where are the pickup trucks 
Where are the dungarees and the straw hats? Where are the torches? You know, outside of these media organisations. How, how can this not become... How, how can this not be apparent to people? That they are being laughed at. They are being ridiculed and mocked by the establishment. And by the establishment media. Yeah, yeah, of course. No, no, no. we're not going to ask any questions. God, no. That's bad enough. I've, I've done this particular monologue too many times. I'm not going to immerse myself in it again. Holy shit, like. No, we're not going to ask them any questions. We're going to give them their own platforms. Yeah, it's dreadful. Hi to Diane, who says, Handing politicians their own shows is akin to letting the loonies run the asylum. Amen. Hazy says she doesn't have any time, or he doesn't have any time, for Yvette Cooper, who had a post-viral syndrome, and due to her position in the shadow cabinet, she got a much-valued bed in her own room at a hospital under her MP... Uh, custodial ship, that same hospital got knocked down and those places were no longer there for other patients. I know this because I was in the hospital as a patient while it was being decommissioned or knocked down. Hi to Kiki. Yes, I am in pucker form today. Thank you, Kiki. It's those brighter mornings. I was in the park this morning with the puppies. Same time as usual. I get in there around about 545 wonderful and it isn't so dark now and that lifts my soul just a little bit it gives me a bit of a boost and then I come on air at five and it's still bright outside and I think right we're out of the winter now so yeah a bit more pucker Bob says just for your information Richie the AstraZeneca jab is not like conventional jabs at all Pfizer and Moderna use mRNA as a delivery method and the Astra and Johnson & Johnson are delivered using an adenovirus vector, which is a DNA product. Both products instruct your body on how to be a spike protein factory. That isn't in any way similar to how conventional vaccines work. We know this, Bob. We've gone through this with guests on the programme probably 500 times. But thank you for the reminder. Angela says there won't even be crickets anymore, Richie. They're going in our food. Angela, you've won the internet. That's the comment of the day. Blue ribbon winner. I'm not even going to read the rest of the comments. Absolutely, they're planning on insect diets, aren't they? Not even a joke, yes. Yes. That's when you get tired of eating the meat that is grown from your own blood. Don't believe me? Look it up. You'll find it on mainstream media websites. Taking some of your own blood and growing some meat. Yeah, they want to turn you into cannibals. What do you call somebody who eats their own flesh? I mean, when you eat somebody else's flesh, you, you, you automatically are elevated to cannibal status. But when you eat your own flesh, anything, is there a name for that? I don't know. Faisal says, I'm one of those that suspects the arena bomb at Manchester Arena is dodgy, as I have looked for and found no evidence of an Ariana Grande concert on that day, just for starters. That's Faisal. Yeah, I won't say anything, Faisal, because I had a good say on this last week, but thanks for your comment. Uh, hi to uh, Dory. Thank you, Dory. Um, no, I don't want any unsolicited medical advice. Thank you very much. Hi to John. And Dory's got thick skin just like me. She won't be put out by that. I have enough advice from people. People I value. And by, I, I'm not saying I, I don't value you, but people who I have regular contact with, like my pal Peter and others, they give me great advice. The things I should be taking and not taking. 
Thank you. Uh, John, thank you for your football comments. I appreciate them, but I'm not reading them out, you bugger. Hi to Thomas. Thank you for your link, Thomas. Right, let's uh, quickly jump into another story. Now, Ofcom, which I mentioned earlier, because it doesn't regulate the media unless it wants to hide information from the wider public. Any proof of that, Baldy? Yes, I have. Of course I have. So Ofcom should be coming down on mainstream news, 24-hour news channels. It should be coming down on them for giving jobs to politicians. But it isn't, right? What does it do? It comes down on anyone who dares ask any questions about the efficacy or the possible dangers of COVID jabs, whether they be adenovirus jabs, conventional vaccines as we understood them, or mRNA. Case in point, Mark Stein, who I don't know a lot about. I've seen little bits and pieces of him. I don't get carried away with people like Stein the way others do. Right, and we'll get into that maybe in the coming weeks and months. But anyhow, he challenged the vaccines. The safety of the vaccines. He put it out there on his programme. Let's give him a ma'anbuckle for that. Good boy for that, right. So Ofcom announced yesterday, when I wasn't sitting here with you, that they have found GB News and the Mark Stein programme in breach of broadcasting rules. This was a show that went out in April last year. Ofcom says we've been consistently clear under our rules. Broadcasters are free to transmit programmes which may be considered controversial and challenging or which question statistics or other evidence produced by governments or other official sources. It can clearly be in the public interest, yada, yada, yada. However, with this editorial freedom comes an obligation to ensure that when portraying factual matters, audiences are not materially misled. In this case, says Ofcom, our investigation found an episode of Stein's programme fell short of these standards, not because it exercised its editorial freedom to challenge mainstream narratives around COVID-19 vaccination, but because in doing so, it presented a materially misleading interpretation of official data without sufficient challenge or counterweight risking harm to viewers. Specifically, the programme incorrectly claimed that official UK Health Security Agency data provided definitive evidence of a causal link between receiving a third COVID-19 jab and then higher infection, hospitalisation and death rates. Ofcom concludes this is materially, mis materially misleading because the way the data was presented to viewers during the programme. It didn't take into account the significant differences in age or health of people in the jabbed and unjabbed groups studied. Now, this is going to blow your mind. Ofcom is right. Mostly. I know the Ofcom rules back to front, right? I used to need to know them back to front. Why did the Mark Stein programme present the data in a way that they... Why did it present the data in a way that they knew was misleading? Why? Why did they do that? Who's working at GB News? Where are the producers? Why did they do that? Why did they leave themselves wide open for criticism by the broadcast regulator? Did anybody at the Mark Stein programme reach out to the manufacturers of these jobs? Did anybody? Did anybody at the Mark Stein programme reach out to somebody from the UK Health Security Agency to invite them to come onto the programme to answer some tough questions about what happens to people when they take these jabs? Now, I'm finding out increasingly that mainstream news organisations, which 
despite what they are, which is gatekeepers for the establishment and propagandists at best, right, they still do employ these old school standards when it comes to asking people on to give a different account of it. And if you're going to be mentioning data, to invite the people who collated the data on so that you can give them a chasing. Now, I'm finding out as time goes on, they're not doing that. Why? Why is GB News not inviting these people on? Because that is the fail-safe thing to do. That covers, not to put too fine a point on it, your old hairy arses. Because when Ofcom comes to you then and says, well, you've misrepresented the data. Well, we didn't. In fact, we represented the data as we understood it at GB News. We invited the feckers on who collated the data. We also invited the pharmaceutical companies and they refused to come on. That's the end of the story. Why are they not doing that? Ask yourself that question. I don't know why they were not doing that. Anyway, it's a bit rich to go after Mark Stein and GB News for misrepresenting data and for making claims that they couldn't back up or substantiate because, well, back in January 2021, that is the 4th of January 2021, now if you think of the timeline, on the 4th of January 2021, the jabs had been available to the public for no more than three weeks. This morning is a programme presented by the ridiculous Philip Schofield and the equally ridiculous Holly Willoughby. Airheads the pair of them, right? Three weeks now the jabs were out and they invited on Dr. Sarah. And this is what Dr. Sarah had to say. Well, what's really excellent is, uh, and it's a statistic that I think should be shouted from the rooftops. Shouted from the rooftops now. Is that um, after 12 days from the first vaccination of the AstraZeneca vaccine. After 12 days now, you've had your AstraZeneca jabs. 12 days later. You are 100% effective against hospitalisation and death. You are 100% not going to go to hospital and 100% not going to die, she said. So, you know, those are the statistics we need to be hearing. And yes, we, why know. haven't we heard that yeah. before? Now, Philip Schofield used to present children's television programmes for BBC. This guy, if this guy has a penis, nobody has ever seen it. It's never been seen. This is how impotent Philip Schofield is. I could get a second-year student doing media, broadcast media at Salford University, and that second-year student could be the laziest bastard in the year, and he or she would have jumped in there. Hang on a second, Dr. Sarah. The jobs have been out for three weeks. How in the name of Moses, St. Joseph, Mary and the fairies, could you possibly know that these jobs or that particular job is giving you 100% safety against going to hospital. But no, he says, uh, why is this not being shouted from the rooftop? Well, what's really excellent is, uh, and it's a statistic that I think should be shouted from the rooftops, is that um, after 12 days from the first vaccination of the AstraZeneca vaccine, you are 100% effective against hospitalisation and death. So, you know, those are the statistics we need to be hearing. And yes, we, why know, haven't we heard that yeah. before? I know, I know, why? Well, here I am. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, that is a, an excellent statistic, and I think it's one that does need to be shouted about. Absolutely. But it's one that's only just... If anybody finds Philip Schofield's penis, you can mail it to ITV Studios, Donnybrook, Dublin 4. Now, that's, that's fake news. So, 
Ofcom weren't too interested in some dizzy bint of a GP turning up on ITV three weeks after the jobs became available, telling people that your first AstraZeneca job gives you 100% protection against hospitalizations and becoming serious oh, and dying. <laughs> oh, dizzy bint. Nowhere to be seen, Ofcom. So, you know, if you're going to apply the rules at least be consistent in applying them. ITV should have been fine for that. But no interest. And of course, that was a massive lie. And who knows how many people it affected when Dr. Sarah gave her infomercial for AstraZeneca. Yes, have this job and you will not go to hospital and you won't die of COVID. You won't die. 29 minutes to the top of the hour. Let's talk about floods, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Floods, right? Great big biblical floods. Like the ones that God Almighty used to punish the wicked with when the wicked displeased him back in the Old Testament. Floods are coming and they must be dealt with. I want you to think of Mark Windows, the wonderfully gifted Mark Windows. About time he came back on, isn't it? Love Mark. Check him out, windowsontheworld.net. Mark was banging on about this for years and Sandy Adams, of course. Listen to this now. Floods are coming. They must be dealt with. Here is the BBC News this lunchtime, the main 1pm lunchtime news on the floods that are going to come and drown every one of us. Scientists have produced detailed modelling to show how much of the UK could suffer flood damage every year in the future because of climate change. They <laughs> so they've doctored up these models of scientists to show the flooding that's coming in the future because of climate change. They say it could rise by more than 20% over the next century. Could. Unless promises to cut emissions are met. Ah, unless we stick to those promises to cut the CO2 emissions. Well, damage is most likely to increase in big cities like London, Cardiff, Manchester, Glasgow and Edinburgh. Flooding in Manchester? Here's our science and environment correspondent, Victoria Gill. As water trickles through this woodland in Calderdale, a team of local volunteers is getting to work. What we're trying to do is just divert this into the woodland. Katie's nearby home has been flooded in the past. Because so they've got a woman there in the woods and her home has been flooded in the past. So now she's in the woods and she's using garden hose, she's using shovels and pitchforks to try and divert a little stream um, away from basically the direction of her house. And the BBC is following this woman. Because in this steep-sided valley, heavy rain can swell the river very quickly. How bad does flooding get? In, in this area? It's, it's catastrophic. It's incredibly fast. It's, it's a wave of destruction. Bada boom, bada bing, right? So she gets flooded when her local river bursts its banks. Now, Katie probably doesn't know that the river cannot be dredged because the European Union decreed the dredging must stop in her area to preserve the lesser spotted outer Mongolian gadfly, which was inevitably brought here by an illegal migrant. And I'm half joking there. Dredging was basically verboten, verboten bitter by the European Union in many parts of the country, Somerset in particular. Why? Well, to protect ecosystems and tiny little flies that don't do very much except shag like rabbits and then produce more flies which live about six, seven hours before they die and reproduce again. You can't dredge because it affects and upsets the wildlife there. Ah, okay. But Katie won't know this. 
at all. We need some solutions. What are we going to do about these floods that are going to, well, drown us all in the future? Here at the Fathom Labs in Bristol, they're simulating all of the causes of flooding, creating maps that will help people to plan and prepare. We'd call this a flood hazard map. So what we've done is we've simulated the probability and intensity of flooding on every river in the UK. Scientists use layers of information about what causes flooding. They've mapped the terrain of mainland Britain and combined that with data on rainfall patterns, how waters move through our rivers and around our coastal areas. Right, so what they've done is they've got these computer models, they've laid out the terrain of the UK, the relief, the mountains, the hills, the valleys, all of that, the cities, everything, right? So they factored in climate change then, and they're going to use these models to help better make decisions in the future about where people can live and where they can't live. And a guy you heard a moment ago, Oliver Wing, he is a flood researcher. Here he is with the options. This is how it'll be in the future. Oliver there Wing. are many places where risk is growing. And being able to understand the communities and the regions where this is likely to happen allows us to make sensible investment decisions about making interventions, such as, as engineering structures or natural flood management, or indeed moving people out of harm's way. Moving people out of harm's way. Decommissioning. Got to move you out. Got to decommission this area because it's going to flood here in 15 years. What? It's going to flood here in 15 years and this area will become uninhabitable because of climate change. You'll have to leave. But this is my home. I paid for it. I put my whole life into it. I'm mortgage free. All of my wealth is tied up in these bricks and mortar. Tough shit, Paddy. The floods are coming in 15 years and you'll have to leave. And this, of course, is not unique to the UK. Check out what's happening in your local area in Ireland, in Northern Ireland, in Greece and everywhere else you can think of at this moment in time. It's happening in lockstep everywhere. Yes, we think these areas. Didn't we hear last week 30% of the seas, of the oceans have been put into special measures because of overfishing, because of damage to ecosystems in the seas? Look into it. Mark Windows doing sterling work on this. Windows on the world. Dot net. It's 23 minutes to the top of the hour. This is your Richie Allen Show. Comment live via the website richieallen.co.uk. Very soon there will be an app for the programme downloadable via Google or the Apple Store. And there will be cameras in this studio very, very soon. We are waiting for some equipment, some hardware, not some software, which is taking a bit of time to get here, to make life easier for us so that we can film this nonsense and you can watch it if you choose. I gave in eight years and I said, ah, to hell with it. Paul Ripley was on my case. Hayden was on my case. You were on my case. And uh, yeah, you'll be able to watch it if you choose soon. Christine in Limavadi says, I wonder did Neil Ferguson's computer predict the new flooding in the future? Good question. Nelly says, I listen to proper astrology and water issues, including flooding, is in this particular time an issue on many levels, says Nelly. Okay. Chris the Gardener says, I think Philip Schofield's penis morphed into a hand puppet called Gordon many moons ago, Richie. No danger of anyone locating it now. I think you're referring to Gordon the Gopher. Hi to Pandora, cracking us up, Richie. You're right, that is fake news. No one will ever find Schofield's penis to mail it, no matter how busy gophering away to try. You see what you did there, Pandora? Patrick thinks Ofcom, or the people who work there, 
are a satanically controlled organisation, but then it's a branch of government, so it is to be expected that it is into mind control and slavery, albeit still a threat to Ritchie and other uh, truth enablers, says Patrick. He means platforms which are open and um, and uh, censorship free. Jenny says the head of Ofcom used to work for Bill Gates. Pure coincidence, of course, says Jenny. Hi to Scottish John who says if you do find Schofields, Pecker, use a first class stamp. That way it will come quicker. And Hazy had a radio programme once on a small radio channel. They were subject to Ofcom. Yes, you should invite the alternative opinion and give them the chance to comment. And also, all sides of the controversy have been bumholes in ignoring that. Hazy is a lad. Uh, Oreo says, not just meat grown from blood. Billy the Gates sponsored a new technological process developed in Japan, which compacts proteins out of human excrement into lovely biopatties. I didn't see that. Are you kidding me? Or is that fake news? It's fake news. You're fake news. It's another terrible impression. Who do you think that was? Bobby Davro, you'd be right. Um, human excrement. I, I don't believe that. I'd have to see some proof of that. A technological process developed in Japan, compacting proteins out of human excrement, making biopatties. Sounds like that story came from Uranus, boom boom. But I do stand to be corrected. It is 20 minutes to the top of the air. A little bit later on in the programme, I am looking forward to you meeting, if you haven't met him before. Lovely Irish chap called Mick Brazil. We say Brazil, we don't say Brazil. It's not like Alan Brazil, who used to play for Ipswich Tan. Played for, I don't know why, uh, played for Tottingham and also played, of course, for Manchester United briefly. Alan Brazil, we say Brazil, Mick Brazil. Mick tweets as the Irish git, G-I-T, check him out. He puts together some really interesting and funny clips on issues like, well, the things we talk about on this very programme. Keep the messages coming in to richieallen.co.uk. The window cleaner says, do a fast. Oh, that's more unsolicited medical advice. Fake off. Hi, Bob. Richie, if you've gone over it hundreds of times with your guests, why do you keep saying the AZ jab is like a conventional jab? Uh, Bob, you're semantics. You're a pedantic purveyor of semantics, Bob. We've talked about it too many times. Uh, Jilly says it would be interesting to send a freedom of information request to ask how many hotels in the UK are now closed to the public and how many asylum seekers are ensconced therein. And what the plan is for the future of those asylum seekers. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay, let's uh, move on and talk about something entirely different. I've lost my place. Where was I? Just bring your clips up, you clown. It was the story after the climb. Oh, yeah, the WhatsApp leaks. I might have opened with it because it's still... I mean, come on, you know. The Telegraph is milking this, right? It's been um, it, front page news on the Telegraph for basically a week or more now. You'll remember very briefly Isabel Oakshot, the journalist in inverted commas, was given the job of writing Matt Hancock's COVID memoirs with him the time he was health secretary. So she did that. He gave her access to his, to the entirety of his WhatsApp communications. I still struggle with this as to whether I really believe he is that stupid, detestable, slimy, obnoxious in the extreme, vomit-inducing when you look at him, 
that's stupid, I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. But I doubt it. Gave her all of the communications. Every one of them, he didn't edit them. He didn't get somebody to have a good look through them. After the book came out, she waited a bit and then she gave all of the communications to the Telegraph. And they've thrown up one or two interesting things, but nothing that really blew us away. You know, we knew what went on, you and me. So we weren't collapsing with astonishment at the content of these WhatsApp messages. Had a bit of a giggle today. You may have come across Pimlico Plumbers. Pimlico Plumbers, a guy called Charlie Mullins. Some wags on Twitter have dubbed him the Pound Shop Rod Stewart. I actually knew Charlie Mullins because I met him in Marbella a few times. He used to pop into the studios of Talk Radio Europe when I worked there and he was a regular guest on the mid-morning talk show there. Bit of a ham. Bit of a ham, right? I'm not saying he's sick, but but I'm not going to get into that. He was on GB News this morning with Bev Turner. Now, the reason we're listening to this is because Charlie Mullins said that he would insist that any new staff anybody coming to work for him after the jabs had been rolled out, they would have to be jabbed or they wouldn't get a job at his company. He was going to enforce his own vaccine mandate for staff. In light of what's come out in the WhatsApp leaks, does he have any regrets now about believing and trusting his government? Well, so completely... When you look at this now, when you look at the backstory and what was going on behind the scenes, do you feel that you were lied to about how serious the situation was? Well, yeah, of course it was. I mean, uh, all the country was lied. I mean, it was very misled. And um, looking back on it, I mean, you know, I I think obviously there was under a lot of pressure at the time, but there was a lot of information held back. I think they... Charlie has had so much surgery on his face. How much surgery has Charlie had on his face? Um... Multiply Jordan by Simon Weston. Jordan multiplied by Simon Weston and you have Charlie Mullins. So much plastic surgery that he can barely move his lips. Over-exaggerated so many things. I mean, I I don't feel I've done anything wrong. We just, you know, carried out what the government was suggesting to us. But now it's all coming out uh, through this journalist. I think that, um, you know, we're certainly misled. And, and, you know, so much was, you know, the country was locked down for too long. Loans and furlough. All this was so unnecessary Mm. looking back on it. I think the only thing they got right was the vaccination. What? We haven't even really got to the messages about the vaccination programme yet. We haven't, have we, dear listener? Isn't that strange? We haven't even got to the messages that deal with the development of the vaccines and then the subsequent rollout. I wonder, will we get to those messages? What do you think? Let me know. More from Charlie Mullins. Yeah, I mean, according to um, one of our contributors yesterday, they may have three months of revelations uh, to still come from these 100,000 messages. And I think chronologically, it seems to be going from the start of the pandemic through. So in terms of whether we get to that particular point, we're, we're not even there yet, knowing the conversations that were going on behind the scenes. Right. Charlie, have you anything to say on that? Would you, looking back now, do you think that 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 your mandated vaccination programme at your company was based on fraud. It was based on the fact that they had exaggerated the fears. They said they wanted to frighten the pants off people. How frightened were you? Yeah, yeah of course, but we was totally misled. But as I say, I don't, I don't feel that, you know, we didn't actually implement it. That's what we plan to do for all new recruits. And, um, you know, 
staff still had a choice whether they wanted to have the vaccination or not. So I think we just carried out what it was suggested by us, and, and at that time it sounded the best way to carry on things. Did, but, you, did you lose any staff over it, Charlie? Did some people say, look, I'm just not going to do this? I'm not going to... Well, there's a few people said that, you know, when it comes through, we, we, we're, we're going to jump ship, yeah. and, and that's fine, that's their choice. But, you know, we was protecting customers, well, protecting staff. Were customers coming to you in bigger numbers because you were oh, saying, I can provide a vaccinated plumber? Uh, undoubtedly. I mean, you know, we sent them out with test kits before they went through the door. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, look, you know, you know we, we, we were sort of certainly got the business side of it right, and, and it was the right thing. And, you know, I think... I no, it wasn't the right thing, you goon. The right thing to do was to put it out there and let it be known that you value your staff and you will not allow the people who work for you to be threatened by their government with vaccine mandates. Like a real man, and there aren't too many real men anymore, a real man would say, I will never insist that my staff take a medical procedure. Because ultimately, my staff go out to people's houses to change their boilers, to fix gas leaks, to do other plumbing things, to put radiators in. That's what they do. What medical procedures they take is none of my business. That's all he had to do, Charlie, the pound shop Rod Stewart, but he didn't. He was all for the vaccine mandates at the time. It's 12 minutes to the top of the hour. That's what they called him, pound shop Rod Stewart. <laughs> yeah, Diane asks, how could he run a business when he can't think for himself? Yeah, I don't know. That's a very good question. Keep those messages coming in. It's your Richie Allen Show, live from Salford, here in the northwest of the UK. It's time for me to pause and take some more liquid on board. And by liquid, I mean water. O2, agua, syngas, ishka. Ishka without the baja. No ishka baja. This is the Ramones, and baby, I love you. Baby, I love you from the Ramones on the Richie Allen Show. It is Tuesday's edition. That's right, the 7th of March, 2023. It's only what? How many sleeps do, do we have? How many sleeps do we have to St. Patrick's Day? I can't remember. It's Friday week anyway, in case you're interested. Friday week, eh? Ask not what the BBG can do for you, but what you can do for the BBG. Support the Richie Allen Show now at richieallen.co.uk. Yeah, it's one of the seven deadly sins to not have a pint of Guinness on St. Patrick's Day. In fact, it's one of the seven deadly sins not to have a, a pint of Guinness and a Powers whiskey chaser. That's it. That's your... Once you do that, you're covered for 12 months. You've got to do that. Of course, some of us do it about nine times on the day. But it won't be me this uh, coming uh, Friday week, whenever it is. Yeah, Friday week. Somebody said to me recently the Madrid St. Patrick's Day Parade is the following day, the Saturday, the 18th. Here in the Northwest, I'm in Salford, in Manchester, they often have the parade two to three days before the actual day, which is March 17th. Don't ask me why that is, I've no idea. It's maybe to catch us out, maybe. I think that might be the very thing. Hey, listen, speaking of these WhatsApp leaks, like Bev Turner said, no mention of messages relating to the jab development or to the jab rollout, right? Will we get those? Do they even exist? How many more leaks are there to come? Well, Chris Hope or Christopher Hope 
is the associate editor at the Telegraph newspaper, which of course was given the messages by Isabel Oakeshott. And Christopher Hope was on Good Morning Britain, and he was being interviewed by none other than the uh, the amazing, the brilliant, the sterling Richard Maidley. And Richard Maidley wanted to know how many more leaks were to come as well. Another day, another front page uh, on the on the WhatsApp uh, leaks. How much how much more have you got in the in, in the tank on this? I mean, how many more are we going to see? Good bloody question. It's a very good question, actually. <laughs> well, we'll keep going while the story merits it. We'll keep going while the story merits it, says this guy. Uh, today's front page is about a guy called James Daly, with the most marginal seat in the country for a Tory MP in Berry. Uh, we, it turns out he was threatened with uh, with removing. Uh, funding for a new disabled children's centre. If we didn't back plans for uh, for the government's approach on on the lockdowns, and it's yes, yes. Back in the day, James Daly was a lockdown sceptic, and he was threatened by Matt Hancock's department that his constituency wouldn't receive funds to support disabled people if he continued to be an anti-lockdown arse. So that's a story. Of course, that merits a mention. But come on, what about the real meat in these leaks? What about the vaccines? No vaccine mentions. Caused a major row already with the former party chairman, uh, Jake Berry, saying that Matt Hancock should be summoned to the bar of the House to apologise. I mean, real concerns here. And we go back to last year when William Ragg, a Tory MP, complained about bullying by MPs and withdrawing of public funding. Mm. Well, here's an example in clear terms on WhatsApp, although the, the threat was never taken place, it never actually happened. It shows what happens behind the well, scenes. Well, let me quote it. Um, it's, it's, it's actually it's, it's, a, it's, it's a WhatsApp message from Alan Nixon, who, of course, is an aide to Matt Hancock. I'll just cut to the chase here. Um, he's talking about putting pressure on MPs who are threatening to rebel over lockdown, and he says, E.G., James, this is the MP you mentioned, James wants his learning disability hub in Berry. Well, whips call him up and say, health team want to work with you to deliver this, but <clears throat> that'll be off the table if you rebel. I mean, it's it's naked chief whip stuff, isn't it? Yeah, it's naked chief whip stuff, says Richard Madeley. Christ, what a presenter. It's naked chief whip stuff. Yes, they were threatening the guy. Yeah, toe the line. Don't question lockdowns. Vote for more lockdowns. This is about voting for the tiered system, where they'd put people in tier three, tier two measures, tier all that nonsense. This guy daily didn't want to do it. They said, if you don't do it, we'll withhold the funding for the hub for the disabled people. Yeah, it's it's shithousery in the extreme, but the vaccines, the vaccines. Chris, I want to ask you about this remarkable <coughs> uh, set of exchanges about the fact that the health secretary, Matt Hancock, plans to bring French COVID patients to the UK for treatment during the second wave of the pandemic. We were all told that the reason we were locking down was to protect the NHS from being overwhelmed. How come we had the capacity to consider bringing patients in from France? I mean, there were travel restrictions in place. That it, it, look. <laughs> She's some dizzy bent, isn't she, eh? Misogyny. It isn't misogyny. I can't. This is me. I'm an immature. I'm a child. It's not. I am an absolute child. Ask my other half. I mean, this is bentness of the highest order. You daft cretin! What do you think was going on when they were asking the French to send their COVID patients across the fucking channel? Do you know, does it occur to you that maybe, just maybe, these feckers were having a laugh? They were having a giraffe, love. They knew that COVID was piss all. And that this had nothing to do with the virus. This was all to do with compliance.
lowering the standard of life, giving more control over people's lives to these uh, to these great reset, you know, aficionados, these high priests and priestesses of the great reset. When would it occur to idiots like Susanna Reid that these people were laughing in your face, love, telling you, that you can't meet with more than three people on a Wednesday, but maybe four people on a Thursday, depending on what temperature it is outside, and all that shit, and you were going along with it, and all along they were laughing, having parties, eh? Asking the French, hey, if you got a few COVID patients and you don't know what to do with them, we'll take them. We will transcend the travel rules and restrictions. We won't give a shit. And they're still incredulous people like her. Is it an act, do you think? Or are they really that dumb, some of these presenters? There was almost, I would say, 100% adherence to lockdown rules during this time. You dizzy cow. What do you think was really going on then if you were adhering 100% to the rules and you weren't taking a walk on Clapham Common with your dog because you were scared you might get COVID? But they were inviting people around Downing Street to get pissed right up smoking fucking Cuban cigars. They were asking the French to send COVID patients across the channel. What do you think was going on? Just for a minute, do you think that COVID really wasn't really a problem and that something else was going on? Uh, Apart from in the government, right? And the civil servants where they they (laughs) seem to not take it seriously. And this Telegraph guy, the associate editor, he's just laughing away, you know? But, the penny is never going to drop with some of these, is it? But if you, what is being revealed in the Daily Telegraph is that some of the reasons that we locked down now don't seem to even hold up themselves. What was this? Eureka. Well, this was about, back in November 2020, a long time ago, and much has happened since then, there was more cases in the north of England than there were in the south. There was capacity in the south, and it looks like uh, Ed Llewellyn, the former gatekeeper to David Cameron, got in touch. He was uh, the ambassador uh, for the UK in, in France at the time and said, well... Well, wait for this. We're not sure what he said, but what the result appears to be an offer from Matt Hancock to um, France to say, if you want more space, more beds, we have some space here. I mean, we don't know if Matt Hancock was freelancing here, whether he had delusions of grandeur as a world statesman. We don't know what's going on. He suddenly gave the offer to France, well, looked at the offer to France, but it did appear to go nowhere. It went nowhere in the end. You know, if you do use social media, politely, and it's not for me to tell you what to do, of course, but send some messages to the various journalists working at The Telegraph and ask them if they have access to the files because there will be an internal system at the Telegraph where people will have access to certain stories and stuff. Ask them to get into the files where the WhatsApp messages are, where Hancock's 100,000 communications are, and ask them just to do a search for a couple of keywords. Midazolam being being one of them. Um, Harms being another one. Vaccine harms. Testing. uh, Not not testing. Um... Uh, say it for me, trialling and all that sort of stuff and see exactly is there anything in those communications to do with vaccines, with midazolam and whether there was any discussion around whether it might be a little bit dangerous to be asking people to take an mRNA jab or any jab that had been rushed out in a matter of a few months with no long-term safety data. 
I have the feeling, call me a pessimist, you've called me worse. My feeling is we're never going to get any story. And I hope I'm coming back on the programme this week or next week and I'm saying, Jesus, I was wrong again and I'm glad to be wrong. But I don't imagine we'll see a splash in the Telegraph next week that says they knew the COVID jabs had the potential to be harmful, but they were threatening MPs and civil servants to keep stum and say nothing that they were going ahead with the rollout anyway. I don't think we'll get anything like that, ultimately because Matt Hancock is another puppet, another front man, and these or that was never his agenda. He was carrying out that agenda for someone else. Let's go to um, the, the, the veritably vaudevillian. And this, we, we, this has come up a few times on the programme over the years, right? It's about the word woman and uh, how it has disappeared, the word woman, from official literature, particularly government literature and particularly NHS National Health Service literature. You know, let's be more gender neutral. We don't want to offend people who don't identify as female and all that sort of stuff, right? So we've had all of this. However, the word woman must be used on NHS websites for cancer and pregnancy information. Says who? Says more than 1,000 doctors, nurses and health workers. They've told the NHS, you must preserve the word woman. Now, at least 19 pages of uh, cancer and pregnancy information, at least 19 pages, either do not use the word woman or use it on top of non-gendered language, including those dedicated to childbirth, ovarian and uterus cancer, periods and menopause. Ovarian cancer guidance said it was one of the most common types of cancer in women, but uh, that is no longer there, the word woman, and neither is there a mention of the word woman anywhere else. So the Clinical Advisory Network on Sex and Gender, made up of a thousand doctors, nurses and health workers, have said dropping the use of the word was disrespectful. It's also ludicrous, of course. Uh, Maura Buchanan, a former head of the Royal College of Nursing, is one of the uh, people who put her name to this um, letter, which was seen by The Telegraph, and says, removal of sex-based language is discriminatory and could leave the NHS open to legal challenge. We call for the reinstatement of sex-based respectful communication as it meets the healthcare needs of women. Now, LBC thought it would be funny to get somebody on who disagrees with the doctors. Somebody woker than the most woke. So they found Eleanor Morgan. Eleanor is a journalist, in inverted commas, and she writes for The Guardian. And Eleanor thinks that removing the word woman, well, it's a good idea. And she explains why. What we're talking about is the language on the NHS website, so the public interface, um, you know, public health information seen by millions of people and they have to keep the pages under continual review to make sure that they're using language that is relevant and inclusive to those reading it. Um, and again, the perspective piece, there are 219 NHS trusts in the UK. Think about all of the thousands of members of staff in all of those areas. Um, the idea that the word woman is going to be banned wholesale 
from these spaces, which is often the next logical step in this argument, is absolutely ludicrous and divorced from reality. But it isn't. Um, and from my perspective, my understanding is that the NHS are making attempts to create a gender neutral baseline for healthcare interactions and recognising that minorities are in a vulnerable situation compared to other groups in society. Minorities are in a vulnerable situation compared to other groups in society, so we should make the language gender neutral for them so they won't feel vulnerable when they're on the internet reading about uterus cancer. I'm not being disingenuous there. That's exactly what this crazed loon is saying. Let's uh, change the language so that that, uh, vulnerable, non-binary people won't melt down when they're reading about what they need to look out for when it comes to uterus cancer. So a woman, because only a woman can have a uterus, right, goes online to figure out what are the signs. Okay, this gets better. And with simple steps, practical steps, like asking someone's pronouns in a healthcare situation. um, Asking someone's pronouns. Care can then become individualised and nuanced to the person. And that's kind of the, again, the next step. Um, An appropriate language is part of care. And another thing that I think is really important to say is that it is well evidenced that LGBT people, particularly trans and non-binary people, many of whom are friends of mine, do experience disproportionately worse health outcomes (laughs) and often have a really difficult time using health services. Why? And language is a key piece of that story. Um, If I'm a trans or non-binary person... You're an idiot. ...and I experience healthcare in a way that people are making assumptions about my characteristics... If I experience healthcare in which people are making assumptions about my characteristics. You go to the doctor because you've, you've got an ache in your tits, right? You're a woman. But that experience is somehow, it somehow becomes harmful because you're not experiencing the healthcare to find why you've got an ache in your tits and what needs to be done about it because the person issuing the care is not concerned enough about your individual characteristics. Jesus Christ. You might feel shamed embarrassed and anxious this can then create like an active health risk are you imagining a frying pan now no if a problem is missed because i'm afraid of asking for help again all right so you were misgendered or the doctor in question didn't pay enough attention to your pronouns so next time you have an ache in your tits you decide not to make an appointment and go back because you are so devastated by the previous experience and again it's important if i'm Listen to this bullshit. A trans person or non-binary person. And You're an idiot. And I have ovaries, a womb. or a You're a woman if you have ovaries. Or a cervix. I can get cancer of those <laughs> organs. That is an absolute biological fact, if that's what we're talking about. No irony. No understanding of irony. Eleanor Morgan writing for The Guardian. The young, she's a young woman. They have no understanding of irony. She's mentioning biological facts. It's a biological fact. If you have ovaries and a uterus... Do you know what? It's nine minutes past the hour. Shall I reach out and get on our guest today? I think you'll enjoy listening to him. He's a bit mad. He's up for the crack. I do like him. I came across him on social media. His name is Mick Brazel. He tweets as the Irish git. And his clips are very funny. They're very well put together. 
talking about these issues and others. Let's get him on. It's uh, Tuesday's Richie Allen show. Enough of the madness. Let's hear David Lee Roth and his cover version of The Great California Girls. Yeah. Because I've got an ache in my tits. That's a line from an Amy Winehouse song, by the way. It's channeling the late great. What do you think Amy Winehouse would have made of all of this nonsense? I don't think she'd have put up with it myself. This was featured, by the way, in A View to a Kill, remember? David Lee Roth, his cover version of California Girls. The scene, I think it's the opening of the movie A View to a Kill, the movie, do you hear me? The film. And he's skiing away from these guys chasing him, isn't he? And he finds an iceberg, which is actually a submarine. Yeah, loved all those films. It's 11 and a half minutes past the hour. Let's welcome our guest to the programme. Really excited. It's always good to have a fellow Irishman on the show. Don't have it enough, really. We'll have to remedy that. Came across him on Twitter, as I said. Find him on Twitter as the Irish Git. I'll be tweeting him later on. He's got thousands of followers there. And the clips he puts together, um, they um, they received really well. He's very funny. He tweets about uh, issues, as I said, like migration, like the situation in Ireland at the moment, the bizarre situation in our country at the moment. As I said, gender politics, you name it. Let's welcome to the programme the one and only Mick Prazzle. How are you doing, Mick? Good. Uh, thanks a million, Richie, for having me on. Yeah, listen, it's an absolute pleasure. I was explaining earlier on, you probably won't have heard this. Well, I didn't explain it very well, actually. Why is it Brazil to us and Brazil to the English? Did we ever discover that? Yes, that uh, yeah, I did hear you. No, that's a good one. I, I, I don't know, but I, look, I, I, a lot of people do call me Brazil as well now. Well, look, I get called a lot of things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm well used to it. It doesn't bother me now what I'm called, to be honest. But yeah, it's Brazil. Brazil in Ireland, I mean, for the most part. Now, this... Um... This situation that has existed in the UK for a long time, where migration is an issue and, you know, mass migration in certain parts of the country leads to difficulties for people who have been living in that part of the country for many years. Services are affected and everything else. Um, and, and that's, I'm, I'm being very, I suppose, um, uh, I'm, I'm not being specific enough, but I'm talking in generalisations, but these are real things. And then people asking questions about it and consequences for some of these people, like, you know, being ostracised, being kicked off of social media, being labelled as a racist, which is a, a tag that's kind of hard to shake for people. And of course, these people are not racist. This has landed in Ireland, this, hasn't it? And I'm, I'm not saying it wasn't there previously, but this is a massive big deal now in our country, this particular issue. And people reacting to it and asking what's going on, and then those people being compared to Genghis Khan and to Hitler and God knows who else. Serious times in Ireland at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. Now, there wasn't so much of it. There was a small bit over the last 15 or 20 years, perhaps. But now every second, like the media, every second thing they put out is, oh, the far right are mobilising in Ireland, the far right of a foothold, beware of the far right. Um yeah, racism, uh, and they don't really care. These people that scream racism and the far right, they don't really care about actual real racism. If you get me, you know, they they just call everything racism now. Everything comes under the banner if you're against the migration in 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 any way. Like and like the migration into Ireland at the minute is um, it's mostly undocumented males coming into the country, and you might see the hashtag going around on on Twitter. Hashtag Ireland is full, and um. The, the 
they're calling that out as racist and far right. But but what we're saying when we say Ireland is full, we mean like we have a health service in crisis, uh, mental health service in crisis. There's over 4,000 children alone waiting for mental health services in Ireland. We have a homeless epidemic. Um, and and what happens if you add any amount of people to the population before, let alone an uncapped number, before sorting all them services out? And it, it, they get worse, like, so that that's what we mean by Ireland is full, and we're trying to make people aware of that, you know? Yeah, it leads to resentment, and not necessarily resentment against the people who are in Ireland all of a sudden, but resentment against the politicians who have, I suppose, engineered, well, not engineered it, but they've allowed it to um, to happen. And here's a question, Mick, because I know you've met some of these people. Mick Brazel is our guest, folks, the Irish git. Check him out on Twitter. Give him a follow and look at these videos. They're very good. Mick, um, when, when, you, when you bump into these Antifa people, now many of them will be wearing balaclavas or they will have scarves covering their faces. But is it, is it possible to even get a sense of whether so, at least some of these people are genuine and they have somehow... I don't know, they've grown up maybe in a socialist workers' party environment, maybe with an uncle or a father, I don't know. And they actually do believe what it is they say. They believe that, you know, let's welcome everybody into the country and everything will be fine and you're just a racist because these are human beings. And that they can't, they genuinely can't see the impact it's having on um, communities. Do, do you think some of them are genuine, like in the way that some of the Extinction Rebellion people are genuine? Or is there something more sinister going on with the likes of Antifa and, and that? Because I don't know. Yeah, well, I, I think there is with most of them, but but a certain small percentage of them are, are genuine and, and believe the things that they're saying. And they just, it's, it's, it's just like, say, the COVID thing, like... If you if you went against the narrative, people shut you down and people turn off in their head. They don't want to listen. Um, so I think there is a certain percentage yeah, that, that fully believe and and stand behind what they're saying. And I'm guessing but, but for the most part that they, they, they really don't at this stage, and they're just well, look, they're part of a huge NGO system that we have in Ireland here, and that's non-governmental organisations, yeah. which are funded by the taxpayer uh, ten billion. Just, it's definitely over seven billion annually that the taxpayer in Ireland gives to the NGO system. Now they should be called geo systems because yeah. they do the government's bidding and, and and the work out on the street for them, and they call working class people and concerned parents like myself far right and paint us as Nazis and racists and whatever else, you know. And that can have, like I mentioned in the introduction, that can have profound, a profound impact on on somebody's livelihood as well as their life. I mean, have you, has it happened to you personally or have you seen examples where people, because I see it all the time here in the UK where people are doxxed, where employers are contacted. I mean, this I've, th this is Nazi stuff, this, where I've seen people who work for companies, you know, they might work for a corporation that's well known. They might work for a franchise, Mick. And all of a sudden, their employer is getting a phone call or an email to say, hey, did you see, uh, I don't know, Mary McCarthy, for example. Mary was at this um, anti-migrant uh, far-right rally on Saturday. And she's finding that she's losing a job. Now, that's, I'm not, that's not an exaggeration. I mean, have you seen examples of that in, in, in Ireland, where you are? Is that something that you'd worry about? Uh, well, absolutely. Now, I'm, I'm kind of in the position where I've kept 
my private life private to the extent that I can. But um, there has been people that have been speaking out and they've been they've lost their jobs because the the far left radicals have contacted their their, their place of work and. Then there was a protest there recently on a TD, uh, People Before Profit uh, TD, uh, the radical far left they are, and um, they're, they're out now communists. They, um, the TD told, told the lad straight to his face, it's on video, that he, he's ringing his work in the morning, telling me he was there. Now, thankfully, your man's boss is on board with what he was doing. He just said, don't wear your work, your work clothes there anymore. Like, you know, so, Oh, it's happening on on a daily basis. Yeah, and that, look, it's a, it's they have it. Uh, they have it. Um, fairly. It's a well-oiled machine on their behalf because they have people afraid to to go to these things. Um, they have, they're afraid to lose their jobs. They're they they have mortgages that they have to pay. Just you know, every everyday life that they have to get on with, and then you have the media pushing it as well, all the far right stuff, and they have people afraid. And and in Ireland, unfortunately, a lot of people care about what their neighbours think of them. Yeah, I think you summed it up beautifully when you said well-oiled machine. I have this um, fantasy, maybe it is a fantasy, that the silent majority are on board with the idea that something is very badly wrong, Mick. But for the reasons you've just outlined, they're pretty reticent to say anything because they don't want to be... Because it's, it's being engineered this way, I think, that... Being called a racist or, you know, somebody who is, uh, you know, who uses hate speech, these terms, that's almost become as bad as being labelled as a, as, a, as, a, as a paedophile. And people are terrified of that. And I can see that. So self-censorship now almost kind of reigns everywhere. I, look, I'm, I'm, this could, people could believe this or not, but I, I do bump into people and they, some of them are aware of the radio show and, and they will quietly say... I sympathise with, when it comes to the migration issue, some of what your guests say, Richie, I don't have a racist bone in my body, Richie, but I know if I say anything or if I ask any questions, it'll be curtains for me. So that's, again, that's sinister dystopian stuff where people are thinking, my life prospects are being damaged here by what this government is doing. But if I dare to say anything about it, it could be, I could be, um, you know, paying the price for it, Mick. Yeah, absolutely. And that, that's actually one of the things. If you see interviews on, on YouTube by citizen journalists or anything going around to these protests or you see anyone going to speak out for the first time, normally the first thing that comes out of their mouth is, I am not racist. Yeah, You, you shouldn't have to say that, you know. But they've made it where people believe that they, they strongly have to declare that first, you know. They've, put, um, they've planted and there that, is people, yeah. listen, there is a, a huge amount of people that see, see through what's going on and uh Look, they're just in the situations, as I said before, where they can't speak out. But more and more every day I've been approached on the street by people that were running across the road to avoid me because I was non-vaccinated, <laughs> you know. And now they're coming up and saying, oh, jeez, you were right. You were, you, I think you were right about that. And, oh, jeez, it's terrible what's going on with, with, with what the government are doing to the country and bringing it with the migrants and all. And, you know, there's, there's more and more people sticking their head up and asking questions. They mightn't be doing it. Uh, with a loudspeaker or or online, but they they are they are doing it and they are talking to to each other. Like pub talk has changed, you know. Pub talk has changed. That, that's things. fascinating. We might come back to that in a minute. We'll definitely stay with um, migration, but before we do, injuries from um, COVID mRNA jabs and the and the other jabs. 
is that something Mick, Mick is a citizen journalist uh, dear listener find him on Twitter as the Irish git look at his videos on there tweet them around very good stuff so you're talking to people and some people will talk to you some um, won't for fear of you know repercussions further down the line but on the subject of vaccine injury you're hearing quite a bit from what I can understand from people yeah absolutely um, it's uh and look, it's been ignored by by everyone. They're not being recognised. There's people around the country, and I'm sure around England and every country now, suffering daily uh, and suffering immensely. There's uh, everything from autoimmune disorders, ner- nervous system disorders, um, you know, people suffering strokes and different things. There's a lot of people in pain. There's, there's a few people that are vaccine injured in Ireland speaking out. Um, the biggest voice of them would be a woman called Etna Brannigan. She she was injured with hers and um she she suffers pain every day and she's trying to um she's trying to make people aware and she's trying to get recognition of you know the the experts or so called experts and scientists doctors and and the government that, that pushed all this on them you know and the and it's silence from your mainstream media whether it be RTE oh, whether it be news talk listen our our mainstream media is. is Kim Jong Un would be would be very proud, and that's that's not understatement with with our, especially with RTE, the state broadcaster. But um, the mall, yeah, they just they're they've been given an incentive, a tax incentive, incentive in Ireland here, the media. So um, they get a huge tax break there. So you know, it's like a little, it's like a little bribe for them or whatever. And we believe, don't we, that the it's funny what you said about Kim Jong Un. You can imagine Kim Jong Un in. Uh, in Pyongyang, saying to the uh, boss of North Korean state media, "You need to book your ideas up and have a look at RTE." I mean, that's just yeah, bringing bringing D <laughs> Forbes there, yeah, which he's doing. It's it, yeah, because I've I, there's some lovely people who send me snippets from uh, Jonathan being one sends me the occasional snippet from Irish media, and going back even last year when somebody. Well, you know, when it, when 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 somebody phoned into a show and said said, you know, I'm worried about these jabs and the abuse, like it's, and again, there's a lockstep element to this because the same thing happens on, you know, LBC Radio here in the UK on the BBC. They just get rid of them straight away and ridicule them, and yet people can see yeah. in their own towns, they're hearing stories, you know, on on the on on the grapevine, they're hearing it in their own streets that, uh, oh Jesus, um, again Mary or John or Michael dropped dead. You know, 45, um, healthy. Or Paul played hoarding, 23, bang, drop dead. And people know, don't they? They know instinctively in these places that, that the jabs have to have played some part in it. Yeah, absolutely. Look, at this stage, the dog on the street can see it. Like They can yeah. literally see it, actually, with all the, the, the hearses that are going by on the daily. Like, um, Yeah, excess deaths are through the roof in Ireland at the minute, um, especially sudden and unexpected deaths in the young. And um, everything has been blamed or been put out there. Anything bar, anything bar the vaccines. Um, yeah, they're it's, saying it's funny, Mick. They're they're doing the same thing in Ireland that they're doing here. They're because they shut down the health service in Ireland and the British shut down the health service here, and treated COVID only. They're now, which was a terrible thing to do, of course, and it's caused all of these cancer deaths and everything. But they're using that as an excuse now, aren't they? To cover the damage oh, yeah. possibly done by the jabs, yeah. Look, uh, absolutely, and I, I mentioned it in a few videos in 2020 and 2021, uh, along with a lot of other people that mentioned it, saying 
we're not going to know then if it is going to connect it to the vaccines when they roll them out or even after the roll out, we said it. We're not going to know if it's connected to that or all the cancelled cancer screenings, cancelled a lot of screenings, a lot of operations, life-saving operations. We're all cancelled and called off. Like, then there's going to be there's going to be an, a definite cancer pandemic here and everywhere in the next five years. We'll see it. You know, at the at the height of it, like it's it's going to be um it's going to be scary. It's going to be scary for a lot of people and um. You know, it we look. People did try to warn them, but um, what will they put it down to? Me? What 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 will they do at that stage, Mick? Will they just say? Will the excuse be, well, it was delayed treatment? So yeah. so they've got That's, the cover. They've got the cover story in place already, don't they? Yeah, look, they do. That's it. They they do. They have they have the perfect cover story there. We we messed up lockdowns. Um, we shouldn't have shut down. We shouldn't have stopped screenings. Um. There was no, like, the CSO vital statistics data here in Ireland shows there was no increase in deaths, really, in 2020. There was a few. It's It wouldn't be a number worth talking about. But but that can be that can be connected to early in April and at the end of March, at the start of the pandemic, with the nursing home scandal, when they, they took all the elderly out of the hospitals and put them in the nursing homes and what drugs they were given. And, you know, we don't know. And these people were left to die on their own. They weren't allowed loved ones in. The, the suffering that, that they're after causing people is is. You don't believe. I never thought I'd say it in my life. Me neither. You don't believe then that it is a coincidence that the the countries. So we're speaking about Ireland and we're speaking about the UK, but this happened in Europe as well. You don't believe for a minute that it's a coincidence that they took pretty much the very same steps. Like these were countries that were supposed to be acting independently of one another, but they did the same things. They took people out of hospitals, they put them in care homes, they hermetically sealed those care homes, they didn't treat people properly, lots of people died. That can't be a coincidence in my book. What do you think? No, no absolutely not a coincidence. They've done that to, to raise the numbers and, and put people in fear, and that fear coma that they put them in for 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 however long they were in it. So they could push the the treatment on them, and that's the that's the way I see it, and I think that's the way a lot of people see it now. Mick Brazel is our guest, the Irish Git, that's G I T. Find him on Twitter. Mick, this this whole thing about I had this romantic vision of Ireland when I was a, when I was a young man, that while we were a genial you know nation of people who mostly strive to get on, you know, and to to do to be good and to get on with people and to present a good image of the country when we went abroad. Sometimes this annoyed me. You know, this holier-than-thou thing we used to have, particularly around football tournaments when Irish lads would go away and, uh, you know, rather than enjoy themselves, it seemed that their their priority was to be a better, uh, you know, a, a better experience than, than the English supporters, right? This used to drive me mad, right? This, this kind of virtue signalling. But I thought, you know, we're a genial nation of people. We're an intelligent and a well-read nation of people, and we get on with people. But underneath that, Mick, I believe that we were ferocious, and that while we were this outlier on the west of Europe, you know, the last land before America, that if anybody came after us, God God loved them, you know, woe betide anybody who came after us. And yet this nonsense happened in 2020, and people were told to obey and rather than rear up against it, the Irish did what everybody else did. Not you, I'm not saying you, of course, 
But their tails went between their legs and they said, yes, master. Yes, please, master. Three bags full, master. We'll take what you can give us. So is that notion of the fighting Irish, the country that refused to be conquered for eight, nine, ten centuries, is that just fiction now? No, look, I, I've been I've been asking and shouting at them as well. Where are the fighting Irish and what's after happening? But look, we can see that the, it's just the conditioning has been has been very well done. That that's the conclusion I come to. Like and and the societal societal norms that we have here in Ireland, where like so many people in this country are actually afraid of of what their next door neighbour or Tom, Dick and Harry down the road that they don't even know things in them. Yeah. So they didn't want to be seen without a mask on. They wouldn't want to be seen not to take the treatment, to be not two meters apart from each other, to, to not go along with the whole thing. And that happened and everywhere else. Be, you know, because uh, the fighting spirit is coming back now with the, with the migration thing, you know. It's slowly, slowly coming back. I can see it. Now, let's talk about that now for a minute, right? Because obviously this blew up when uh, in parts of north, the north side of Dublin, wasn't it, where we saw a lot of the footage coming from. So um, th- these are... Talk talk to us about that then. So what, what were these centres, these direct... Were they direct referral centres, places where all well, of us... Yeah, DP, the direct provision, they call provision, it. Now direct provision, yeah. Where, yeah, now it's uh, they've changed the name of that as well, but it's it's just the same thing, and it's they've had them for years, and it's a it's 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 a money making racket, you know. I call it a I call it out as state sponsored and glorified human trafficking because everyone's making money off the movement of people and, and giving them this false hope of like our, our TD there, Roderick O'Gorman, he tweeted out in Albanian and. To, in all these different, all these different countries in in Arabic and all these different languages, to come to Ireland and they'll be housed in a home within four months. I saw this. Now, can you explain this? Why did an Irish elected official, Roderick O'Gorman, why, when the country has got four thousand young people waiting for mental health treatment, when you've got thousands waiting for vital exploratory procedures to find out how their heart is? Why would anybody in any government, and this is true, by the way, what Mick has just said is true. This is not conjecture. The Irish government, in the, the form of this guy O'Gorman, sent out basically a pigeon, if you want to think, think of days gone by, sent basically out to the rest of the world, come here and we'll look after you. How and why did, did, did he do that, considering the he, state he, the country's I, in? Look, he done it to appease his globalist masters, you know. That's what I I, I believe. And um, he he he's actually our children's minister. Yeah, the minister for children. Yeah. Yeah, he's a children's minister. He's there. He's been put there on purpose as well. He's a he, he's a gay man, and he has no children. This week, he's off to the UN to represent women and women's rights and gen, gender based. Do you know the way they're going on the whole time with? The same people that are calling for all oh, the gender-based violence and uh, equal rights for women, and obviously women have equal rights to us, but more. Um, all these people screaming protect women are the same people that are waving transgender flags and trying to obliterate women from the planet, and 
pretend that they don't exist. And making women's spaces less safe, yeah. Now, this guy O'Gorman, I'm not going to hold it against him that he's gay and he has no children. I don't particularly oh, no. find oh, that relevant. Is... I'm not saying you're, you, you're holding that against him either. But um, I, 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 I don't think it's relevant, relevant when it comes to basically announcing to the world or at least to Eastern Europe and, and, and North Africa and West Africa, listen, come over here for a great life, when he would know that Ireland is on the brink of collapse. And by collapse, I mean its public services are basically obliterated. There isn't any provision for, there isn't any, the, the amenities are not there to take such an influx of people. And yet he's out there doing it so publicly. It's yep. astonishing, really, isn't it? I mean, it makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. Um, and do you feel that Ireland, Mick, is somehow... Because I don't know the answer. This is not a leading question. I am genuinely interested in this. Is Ireland being especially targeted in this way? And if so, why? Why would Ireland, on the west of Europe, the last country, why would Ireland be in the, you know, the kind of firing line for this agenda? Um, yeah, well, actually, in, if you look across mainland Europe and places like Sweden, we're, we're actually the last to be to be really hit with. Um, Sweden had a very similar um, open border policy to ours, and and the statistics, the, especially violent crime and violent crime and sex crimes against women in Sweden, are off the charts. Um, most most of them actually go unreported. Why do you think? Um, why do you I think believe, that yeah, is? Ireland, Ireland is actually the last looking across mainland Europe. But, but I think they had to leave it till near last because we're such a small country and people people would notice what was happening. But yet you're saying there's a there is a movement against this. We've seen this in Dublin. We've seen this elsewhere in the yeah. country, where yeah. people have come out and they've said, "Look, we're not racist." If um, Ukraine is being bombarded by Russia and you've got women and children who are not fighting for their country and they need some place to stay until the country returns to normal, we're happy yeah. with that. We're happy to, to do as much as we can without bankrupting our own services. But, but these people are saying, but we're not seeing that. We're seeing young, lots of young Albanian men who are not here to seek asylum. They are economic migrants. What are they doing here? And some of these men are believed to be committing crimes against women, against young women. Yeah. And, and the government and the Irish Guard, the Shia Kona, are not doing anything about that. So there is a movement against that, a very visible movement in Ireland. And you hold out some hope, do you, uh, Mick, that this will gain momentum and bring more Irish people who are silent at the moment but understand what's happening, that they will come out of their shells and, and, and join with this movement and say, look, we've had enough of it now. Yeah, I do. I really believe it. As the, as the weeks go on, there's more and more reported and alleged crimes coming out. And there has been some that were, like there was an attempted uh, gang rape in Dungarvan there a few weeks back and the Gardaí, the media and the Gardaí reported it as, a, as an attempted assault and the med the family member who put it up online about it and saying it was a uh, four four foreign men, the the met her delete the post said it was racist and, and she did out of fear she deleted it you know, and um, there's one that hasn't been reported and it hasn't been reported because the government are housing these men with women and children and in Hort on the grounds of the Deer Park Hotel that's now a refugee centre. 
uh, Ukrainian male refugee is an is alleged to have raped a woman, but the woman turns out she is a Ukrainian refugee unknown to him. And they 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 they're all being housed together. All these people. So you have a centre where you have male and female, either yeah, refugees and or asylum seekers. But go back to Dungarvan. Yeah. This because I'm from Waterford, as as um, our, yeah. our listeners will know. And Dungarvan, of course, is in West Waterford. I know it well because we used to broadcast there every Wednesday during my time at WLR. So this is absolutely fascinating. So a woman was was attacked by a group of men. And she identified them as foreigners, and this was tweeted out by a family member. And as yeah. as far as you understand the facts, Mick, the Irish Guard, the Irish police intervened and demanded that the tweet be taken down. Yeah, look, I was contacted by a family member um, to, 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 to inform me of that. And um, they've been trying to cover up. They didn't want it getting out in the first place. And the only reason they reported it as an attempted assault in the media was because so many people had heard about it because it had travelled around online. There was an outcry, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, our mental health TD there, TD for mental health, Mary Butler, it happened a few a few buildings down from her offices. What about, let me be the devil's advocate here, what about those Antifa people? If there's a minority of them who are genuine, they're wrong. They're they're completely wrong. They don't understand what's happening, but they're genuine. What if they say, "Mick, what difference does it make when it comes to the ethnicity of the attacker?" I mean, don't tell me that an Irish guy or an Irish or Irish guys have never yeah. attacked women in the past. So why is it so relevant? And why are you cherry picking? this attack, um, I don't remember, and I'm, I'm not saying you, Mick, but they might say to other complainers, they might say, I don't remember you being an advocate for women against sexual violence in the past. Now all of a sudden you're interested in it because it's a migrant. They do, they do absolutely say that, yeah. Yeah. Um, that's, that's, yeah, that's their go-to. Um, oh, you, you have been speaking out, you won't speak out against any Irish ones or anything like this. Yeah. Well, I do if they're not reported, but um, and they try, uh, like, you know, and they try to cover it up. But um, what I said to them as well, that, and that is that is their go-to a lot of the time. You say, but Irish men rape, yeah, absolutely they do, and we have enough of our own scum to be dealing with in the country without, like, important undocumented male men, males we know nothing about. We know nothing about, and and when we say unvetted as well, the left and Antifa types start screaming, "Oh, I'm unvetted man! I'm an unvetted man!" You, you are, but the, the difference is the Gardaí can find out everything they want yeah. about you three yeah. minutes flat. They cannot, they do not know anything about these people coming into the country. It's a genuine concern, that, isn't it? When when young men arrive and rip up their paperwork. And because, because on the one hand, like, advocates for these men will say, oh, they're, they ripped up their documentation because they are fleeing persecution from back home and they're trying to be invisible and all of that. Fair enough. Okay, maybe in some cases that's true. But from the Irish population point of view, it's like, well, hang on a second. We would prefer we knew exactly who these people were so that we can contact Interpol maybe, we can contact authorities back in Albania or or, 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 or Africa and find out um, whatever it is, you know, there is to find out about these guys because some of them might be career criminals. Like, we need to know this stuff so that we can monitor these guys. But they don't know this stuff. 
and these attacks are happening and I do generally tend to be you know as journalistic as I possibly can about it keep it as open minded as I possibly can but they are happening and Irish people are saying well what the hell is going on here and these discussions are shut down and then you learn that this Dungarvan story which I did look into because I thought you might bring it up and yeah it's yeah. true yeah the, 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 the police did say you know take the tweet down these are strange, frightening times we, we, we live in. And how bad will this get? Because I, I genuinely wonder about this. Like in two, three years' time, if this stuff continues kind of unabated, will race riots be a thing, Mick, do you think? I mean, I, I, I don't want to be, you know, preempting stuff like that. I don't want to see that. But will it be the case here in the UK, over there in Ireland, that eventually people will, it will get so bad that we will see an increase in violence? And if that's the case... Will that suit whoever is behind this agenda? Is that what they're trying to drive um, this agenda of violence, where they want people to take to the streets? What do you think? Uh, absolutely. That's what they always want, no matter what agenda they're, they're, they're pushing. Isn't it always the vision that they want, and that's how they succeed. Um, like in Ireland, we've had regulated migration for years, and some wonderful people have come into the countries, uh, proper doctors, nurses, People that have contributed to society, you know, people that embrace our culture and spread a little bit of their own and respect the country they're in and, and the people. And this is not happening anymore. And I, I just can't see, I can't see it, I cannot see it being let go by the majority of the Irish population for two or three years. I think we're, we're coming very close to a tipping point. Uh, um, just from talking to people and and having conversations i think we're very near this tipping point where everyone goes everyone just comes out and says stop and the big problem we have here is forget the media forget the the legacy media but it's something you tweeted out the other day which i found very interesting you got into a polite conversation with somebody your your conversations with people are always professional, to your credit, even when people are being stupid. You'll find um, Mick Brazel, by the way, on Twitter as the Irish Git. So do give him a follow there. His videos really are interesting. He wouldn't be on the show otherwise. They really are uh, very interesting videos and very well put together. Um, and you have these polite conversations. But you've identified something very, very important, and we don't talk about it enough. Is when you put a polite point to somebody that challenges and maybe kind of blows away their their thesis because of social media being as it is they just get to ignore you and not respond back and we're having these conversations by we i mean people humanity on twitter where you are not compelled to answer the very good point that has been put to you by the person you're speaking with and this is a massive problem because in days gone by these conversations were held in public forums, not necessarily on telly or radio, but on public forums, in town halls and stuff. And if I'm sitting alongside Mick Brazel, and Mick Brazel says, well, I'll tell you what, Richie, I think you're talking out of both sides of your mouth there because here's this fact that you're deliberately ignoring. Now, in the public forum, I can't just ignore you, Mick. I have to come back with something, to, to you know, to come back and to, to, to take that on again and to demonstrate why I, I am right. But these don't happen anymore. What we've got is we have Irish people standing in Dublin and in Cork and in Limerick saying, yeah. you're destroying what's happening. You're destroying our um, lives. We're losing 
access to healthcare. We're losing this, we're losing that because we don't have enough. And across the street, you've got these people wearing balaclavas and screaming, you're an effing racist and you're a Nazi. And then they're going on Twitter to try and out one another as Nazis and racists. There's, yeah. there's no genuine debate. That's gone now. It's disappeared. That, we'll never have it again. No, and if we had good old school, old fashioned debate, we wouldn't be in the, we wouldn't be having these problems that we're having today. Um, that was another well thought out part to shut down debate. Yeah. But now, we, we, a few people have started public meetings around the country for different issues. I had one actually. I called one actually in my local area. No, I love this. Hang on, Mick. Hang on, hang on, hang on. I love this. Public meeting. Now, is there any way that you can get... I, I know the answer. I'm, I'm, I'm boring myself with my question. But can you get some of these Antifa people or some of these Sinn Féiners or some of these Socialist Workers' Party who, who are all for the migrants, can, can they be enticed to come to these meetings, have a cup of tea... And just listen to us, and then we promise we will listen to you. And somewhere we can, you know, meet somewhere in the middle, and we can get somewhere with this discussion. Or is that just uh, pie in the sky? Me thinking that you could ever get these people to sit down with you? That's that's a pipe dream, I'm afraid. Um, yeah. We've tried. We've invited them to debates. We've to invite them to public meetings. The response is always, "We don't debate Nazis." Cheeky, f- uh, yeah. Then when or when the public meeting idea in Ireland started to spread, you seen parties like Sinn Féin and the Social Democrats organising their own public meetings. And then when people like me tried to go to them, they had security on the doors and you weren't allowed in. They had security on the doors and you went along, a citizen journalist with a big Twitter following. You make these videos and they said, no, you can't. You see, th- this is the thing that kills me. These people are not left-wing, Mick. They are not socialists. And I'll tell you why. I know socialism and I know socialists. And when I grew up, socialists would, they would kill each other trying to get to these meetings, not to fight anybody, but to have their say. And that's how it used to be. Not because if they thought somebody was genuinely bigoted, the last thing they wanted was to shut down the bigot. Uh, What they wanted to do was to get into the uh, meeting so that they could say to the bigot, I think you're a bigot and here's why. But the alleged bigot would then be able to say, well, hang on a second now. This is what's going on in my community. Yeah, these fuckers, excuse my language, they're not lefties, they're not socialists. They're actually fascists, ironically, calling people fascists. They are the fascists because they want people to be silenced. They want their mouths to be sewn shut so that they're never heard. And there's a great irony there that socialists or, you know, pretend socialists, they don't understand, Mick. No, that that's absolutely correct. They are pretend socialists. I uh, I call them the pseudo left now because yeah, they're not the left of all. Like you know, I I'd 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 lean more left with certain er- certain things and down the middle and right with certain things. Like you know, I I presume I'd be more of a conservative. I try not put my views out if possible. It can be hard. Um, with the content I put out, but I try not to give my views or opinion on things. But, yeah. but obviously, the odd time I do. But um, yeah, these are pseudo leftists. They're yeah, they're not socialists. They are definitely fascists. They've proved uh, about like they're pharmaceutical fascists there for the last um, yeah. for the last few years. And um, we were all rat lickers, and we were all um, yeah, oh, anti vaxxers and unvaccinated. A term I never liked. Un- like I'm, as if I'm under someone, I like to say I'm vaccinated. 
bad. Um, and I, unf- like, unfortunately, I'm only an illusion because I wasn't fortunate enough to survive <laughs> three dark winters of severe death and illness for the, un- for the non-vaccinated, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, these people must see... Oh. Over here, like, they must see, like, the, the WhatsApp leaks, Matt Hancock. So Irish, you know, pro-vaxxers, they must know that I'm very suspicious about these Matt Hancock messages. But anyway, leave my suspicions to one side. They clearly show that the British government didn't really care too much about COVID-19. They clearly show these messages that the British government knew that COVID-19 wasn't really anything to get your knickers in a knot about. And yet still they go after people and call them deniers, COVID deniers and and anti-vaxxers. Mick, we've got about two minutes left on this. I want to do a quick uh, reminder of where people can find you and then I'm going to give you the final word. It's been great connecting with you tonight. Uh, Mick Brazel has been on the programme. You can find Mick on Twitter. He is the Irish git. So give him a, a shout there on Twitter. Say hello to him there. And um, he, he's updating and uploading citizen journalism daily uh, on, on, his, uh, on his Twitter handle. So do check him out there. No, it has been mixed. Great to connect with anybody from back home. I don't do it often enough. So I'll give you the final word, buddy. Is there any... Well, there is, because you, you've given us a little bit of optimism where you think that there is a bit of a stirring going on back home. But a bit of optimism before we close out, pal. Final word to you. And again, thanks for coming on tonight. Great to have you on. No, thanks for having me. And I will just say that um, I was introduced to, to your show by a Monaghan man. I know he's from Monaghan, but he's actually all right, Jerome Savage, and I just shout out to him. How are you doing, Jerome? How are you doing, Jerome? Jerome Savage in Monaghan, lovely. Thanks for doing that, uh, yeah. Jerome. So, go ahead. Yeah, there's the, look, I, I did always have people have hope. Um, I put humour in my videos because it's important to smile, it's important to laugh. Uh, we've forgotten, a lot of people have forgotten how to do that over the last few years, but more and more people are coming on side every, every day. Um, uh, I have hope that we can, whatever machine, whatever agendas are being played here, I, I have lots of hope, seeing it from personal experience, that we're, we're going to come out with this it's a lot stronger than, than we went, all went into it. And uh, look, thanks a million for having me on. I re- really enjoyed it. And we'll, we'll pick it up again sometime, Mick. Thank you for coming on and look after Absolutely. yourself. Thank you. Cheers, Mick. Mick Brazel. Uh, Mick tweets as the Irish git talking about the situation back home and the reaction to it. And how, despite the, the blackout from the Irish media on, on these issues, on vaccine damage, on the damage created to societies and communities by, un, if you want to use that term, unfettered uh, immigration. There is a fight back on, uh, on, on, on that front back home. Again, despite the, the obstacles of the mainstream media and the fear in some people that if they do speak out, about these issues that it might have profound consequences for them, profoundly negative uh, consequences for them in terms of their job prospects, and um, and, uh, and 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 such. It's coming up for six minutes to the top of the hour. Let me just do something there while I'm on the hop. Yeah, yeah. I'm just finishing off a message there, so I've done that. Yeah. Um, and I, I've, I've got some other Irish guests on these issues and more coming up on the programme in the coming days and uh, the coming weeks. Lots of messages, by the way. Thank you for them. RichieAllen.co.uk. Comment live. It does wear thin, I think, you know. This one trick kind of pony thing. This, uh, this uh, you know, you're a Nazi. Uh, we don't debate with Nazis. That's wearing thin not just back home in Ireland, but it's wearing thin here. It's losing its luster, that insult, that claim. 
it's less effective, I think, than it was previously. Because when you use that so much, when you drag that out every day of the week, and anybody who says anything becomes a Nazi, or becomes a, a hate speech monger, it starts to lose its impact. And, uh, and that's a good thing. That So long may they continue to call people Nazis, even in the case of this programme, because I dare to interview people who've got conservative views or socially conservative views, or because I dare to interview somebody who might have been considered, um, you know, to be a bigot or an anti-Semite or whatever at one stage. It just loses its impact. And the victims of it, like well, the victims, the people who get accused of this, it eventually just it becomes like water off a duck's back. But, um, yeah, that's um, nearly it for the programme today. Lots and lots of um, comments. Uh, do interact with others, by the way. RichieAllen.co.uk, comment live. Um, Hazy says, the left in the UK entirely departed the building when Blair came to power. Yeah, that's... that's um, Democrat, democratic socialism or social democrats, absolutely Peter, which is not socialism Peter says, unfortunately Sinn Féin sold out to the globalists a long time ago, same as the Irish government, thanks for that Peter uh, appreciate that comment uh, Acker has an interesting comment on the floods, good, thanks for that Acker Damien in Listowel, how you doing Damien, Damien should come back on the programme good to hear from you Damien, great to uh, hear Mick on the programme um here in County Kerry, they proposed bringing refugees to a disused convent in the town, which is on the same grounds as a girls' primary school, secondary school and special needs school. Now, a local group, says Damien, came together and organised a public meeting, and we, had, we invited local councillors, school principals, etc., to discuss, you know, whether it was right and proper to uh, house refugees men, a lot of men, in a disused convent which is on the grounds of a girls' primary school and secondary school. So we invited him. Our one councillor attended and could give us no information or help whatsoever, says Damien. We've now taken to protesting every Sunday and we are getting national attention online. They have posed the proposal to bring the refugees into the town, but we don't know for how long and there's still no communication from politicians, but we will continue to march. What is shocking, concludes Damien, is the lack of support from local parents who claim they would die for their kids. Uh, really interesting stuff. Thank you, Damien. Thanks uh, to Mick Brazel, the Irish git on Twitter. Thank you for listening. That was Tuesday's Richie Allen Show. I'll see you tomorrow at five o'clock. It's time for some liquid refreshments to look after this old vocal, uh, my old vocal cords, as it were. Closing out the programme with Dennis Waterman. See you tomorrow. Bye.